0: Good morning, Rock Hills. Glad you're here. My name's Stephen. I'm an elder and part of the teaching team, and we're especially glad you're here on the fourth Sunday of Advent, the Sunday before Christmas. I gotta admit, when Adam said, will you preach the Sunday before Christmas? I'm like, that's like headliner I was so excited, and the power immediately went to my head. So I'm going to give two shameless plugs, because who knows when I'll get this chance again. But I really do encourage you to come tomorrow at 5 for our Christmas Eve service. It's a really great time. It's a great thing to bring in any visitors you have from out of town. We'll just be celebrating the coming of Christ together, having cookies. If you want to bring cookies, that's great. If you don't, just come anyway. But I kind of feel like it's awesome because we get you home in time for dinner. But uh, what day in the year is a better day to have cookies before dinner? And that is Christmas Eve. So please come and join us. And the other is, I want to say one more time, Heather mentioned it already, but if you're an adult, you are invited to our house one week from today for German Fire Punch. Um, It's a tradition my wife and I have been doing for about 15 years. It's really fun. We do actually set red wine on fire. And in 15 years, I've only gotten fire on a guest one time. So that's actually true. The odds of survival are greatly in your favor. So I encourage you to come. Um, And uh, we have non-alcoholic, if if you don't want to partake in alcohol, that's completely great. The only thing we ask is please no kids because kids fire alcohol, not a good triangle um, (laughs) leads to problems. But you are invited if you are here. So today we're continuing in our series called God Made Known. And we're going to talk about how God made himself known to the wise men. Before I actually get there, I do want to talk about, though, what my theme is today. And as I was was studying the wise men, this kind of became my theme. And that is, when you have been exposed to truth... The way that you know you have really believed it is that you change your actions. That's how you know somebody has believed truth. They change their perspective for sure, but they also change their actions. And I don't have to go back 2,000 years to find examples. I have two quick examples that are very recent. I was reading after the last election in a state that it doesn't matter what the state is about two statewide candidates. I'm going to call them Larry and Daryl. That's not their real names, probably not their real genders, But they were running for office, and again, don't care about politics, it's just an example of truth changing your actions, and Team Larry had a bunch of yard signs, yard signs everywhere, vote Larry, Larry's awesome, vote for Larry, and Team Daryl had almost none, and what I was reading was that this was a controversy within Team Daryl, because their supporters were like, I want to see my money making yard signs, right? Right? But the reason that Team Darrell did not invest in yard signs was they had research that said yard signs bring you zero votes. Yard signs bring you zero votes. So this money that you're trying to spend, you could invest in yard signs or the same thing when be put it in a pile in your yard and burn it, right? It did nothing for you. And so Team Daryl acted on this information. They acted on this truth and said, well, I guess we will not invest yard signs. The truth changed their actions. I have another one that's a little closer to home. About two months ago, I woke up in the middle of the night with chest pain that woke me up. And so I woke up thinking, okay, I could have been sleeping in a funny position. It could have been some weird indigestion or something. And then I did something that, for those of you who are married, I do not advise. I went back to sleep. <laughs> With it still ongoing, right? I said, eh, it'll be fine in the morning. That wasn't so wise. And the way I know that wasn't wise is because I called my doctor the next morning, and I said, so you want to, would you like to see me? I had some chest pain, and through his nurse, he said, no, I want you to go to the emergency room, because at your age, and knowing all your history and all this, this is not normal, and any amount of chest pain is something that should be checked out. And they actually said, not urgent care. An emergency room because there are they have equipment that can get the results really fast and see because it could be something really problematic going on. Now, thankfully, everything well, thankfully, A, I woke up <laughs> to find that out. But <laughs> thankfully, there was I did further follow up with cardiologists, and things were fine. But that day, that Wednesday, I had so much to do for work. I, I mean, I had been planning to spend 6 a.m. to probably midnight. Working on stuff that was due. And this truth that, well, you may not be around to see the results of that changed my perspective, but it changed my action because I spent three and a half hours in Prestige ER on 1604. It changed my actions, right? Being exposed to truth that you really believe changes your actions. And we're going to talk a little bit this morning about how the wise men were someone that were exposed to truth and changed their actions. Now, when we talk about the wise men, I was thinking about, well, what do we really know about the wise men? And there are some of us in this room that would use a Bible, but probably some of us are just exposed to what we see kind of culturally. And I thought, you know, there are three main sources that we have culturally for information about the wise men. They would be Christmas pageants. Nativity sets on people's houses or lawns, and the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. So I was thinking, well, what do we think we know because of this? So here we have a picture of there's a The, guy, the, guy, the purple guy looks a little bit trepidatious there. But we see that they, we dress them sort of wealthy, right? They look wealthier certainly than the people that are going to be wearing bathrobes, right, and something on their head. These are some wise men. I had another picture of the wise men that had another thing. They're bearing gifts, they're bringing gifts. That's something we certainly think we know. And I just had to put this next picture up because I love this robe. That is a pretty funky wise men's robe. The good thing it does is for the church budget, you can save that and use it for Joseph also. You can put that in the closet. I thought that was the, the coolest, probably least realistic road. And then, of course, the thing that we believe that we know from nativity sets, which is the next picture, is that those wise men arrive at the birth, right? They're always portrayed as being there at the manger, right? That's something we see going off. So let's summarize. I'm a business guy, so I summarize in PowerPoint. Here we go. What have we learned? This is what we think we know about the wise men. Well... From we three kings of Orient are, we think there are three of them, they are kings from the Orient, that's easy. (laughs) They're like uh, wise or something, (laughs) people say wise men for some reason, we think they come to this table, they're rich, and they bring gifts. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to, not quite yet, I'm going to show the actual text, not quite yet, um, and I'm going to... Ask you, as you saw that little list, the little PowerPoint that we made, to kind of be paying attention to like how many of those things seem to ring true when we read through the text, and I also have to let you know because I know not everybody here has experience with the Bible, which is great. we love people being here any place on their journey. if you don 't know, Herod is a bad guy, right. You know, I almost, there's some things I I won't do because it will embarrass my wife. I was thinking of reading his voice like Walton Goggins, that great Southern actor that always plays a bad guy, but I decided not to, but Herod is a bad guy. So let's put up the actual text, and it's a bit long, but I'm going to read it. You know, this is the only place in the Bible where we see about the wise men. It's in Matthew. That's the only place it is. It's not in the other Gospels. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east. East came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod, again, bad guy, the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Are you figuring out why it's troubled? Herod the king, the king has been born. Not setting up a conflict there. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. over the place where the child was and when they saw they saw the star they rejoiced greatly and going into the house they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him then opening their treasures they offered him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod they departed to their own country by another way that's it that is the scripture that is God's word that we have about the wise men. Okay, so how did we do in our cultural references? As far as the song goes, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Anybody out there see three? (laughs) No. Mm -mm. No, there were not three. Um, They didn't say three. I think that we picture it as three because we like to think of one giving each gift. They named three gifts, but it doesn't say anywhere there were three. In fact, some some Christian, practicing Christians in other parts of the world believe that there were up to 12, right? It doesn't say that there were three. Were they kings? Yeah, did we see kings in there? No, we didn't see kings. Um, The reason that people think they are kings is because in Psalms, Um, there is a prophecy that say kings will bow down before him. And some have taken this psalm to mean that these guys are those kings. I read the psalm and I'm like, I don't even think it's necessarily talking about when Jesus is on earth. But that is why we have had kings. And I also think it would be surprising to me that they would not mention it. Because you would think that would be the most impressive thing about them. I just feel like you wouldn't say, we were visited by jugglers. And oh yeah, he was also a king, right? (laughs) Um, So I think they would mention it if they were kings. I don't think it matters really, but I I don't think we have evidence they were kings. Were they from the Orient? Um, Were they from the Orient? Well, yes, because the word Orient just means east. Oriental just means eastern, like occidental means western. Were they from the East? Yes. So we are at we are at one out of three. So I put two little reds and then check mark. Being a really good student, I always like to be graded. <laughs> All right. So were they wise? Now, this is an interesting thing. Were they wise? And the reason they are described, I think we can take this slide off. The reason that we are des, they are described as wise men is because this comes from the Greek word magios, how they are described, magios. And it is a word that is often translated as magician, sometimes as sorcerer. What is probably true, because I did some reading, and like the priests in the East, they were astrologers. It is probably more true that they were astrologers or astronomers, people that study the stars to predict the future. This term, magician, that was used, wise man, magician, was really not a positive term other places in the Bible. In Acts, they mentioned two of these guys in Acts 8, they mention a guy called Simon Magus, and that meant magician. And he was a person who was converted from his practice of magos into Christianity, and it's presented as a negative thing. And in Acts chapter 13, there's a guy called Elymas, the magician. And this is seen as a very negative thing because he was dabbling with dark spirits and things that were part of it. So this wise man is not necessarily scientist. It's more they are wise that they can see things or were thought to be able to see things. They likely in their own country had a very high position like you see in Daniel, for example, Daniel 2, these wise men. Because if you're a king and there's somebody in your kingdom that can tell you the future, you want that guy on the payroll right? You don't want that guy working for somebody else. So it was very likely they had a high position uh, and were either wealthy themselves or had access to wealth of some kind because those gifts, gold and frankincense or myrrh, were very expensive. So coming with those gifts showed that they had access to wealth. And what was true about Wiseman in the day, as I said, they had a really nice gig, right? They had a really sweet gig. They were respected. They were in the king's employ. Why would they leave that sweet gig to come to Jerusalem carrying money on the road in those times? Why would they do that? Well, it's because they had seen a star. Believe it or not, this is the only place I believe that the star of Bethlehem is mentioned is in connection with the wise men. They had seen a star and they knew what it meant because part of what they did, they were astrologers, right? God made himself known to them in a language they would understand. God made himself known to those wise men put the star that they would understand, that they would understand enough to say he is king of the Jews. If you remember from the scripture we put up, they understood it well enough to say when they got there, they fell down and worshiped him, right? This is coming from a life of wealth. They left and went on what I believe, it doesn't say it directly, I believe was probably a dangerous journey, to give him gifts and fall down and him, worship him. They had been exposed to the truth, and they believed it, and it changed their actions. That's how you know that they believed it. Now, note that their trip would not have been quick, right? We don't know exactly where in the east they're coming from, and as we see later in the verses following some of the stuff that Herod did, it probably and you 're almost sure they were not at the manger because it says they came into the house it doesn 't say they came into the barn, and that trip just would have taken a while and the word you know for child i mean they, they probably did not arrive. We put it there to remember important things about christmas i don 't think it 's evil to have it at a nativity scene, but they probably weren 't there actually. <laughs> There's a guy who used to attend this church that if he, you had a nativity scene at your house, he would take the wise men and put them <laughs> over here because said they weren't there yet when he was born. Put them over to the east. But I do want to say a little bit about the gifts that they were bringing, the gold and frankincense and myrrh. It was super interesting in my reading about this because gold and frankincense, I think everyone would have understood at the time, gold was a gift you would give a king. And they said he is king of the Jews frankincense was like incense, something you would burn to honor God. Frankincense, it doesn't say this directly, but it feels like something that might be correct. These gifts were kind of symbolic in what they would have meant to the people in uh, uh, Judah where they were. Frankincense would have signified that he was a deity, that he was God. And this is something I found super fascinating. I don't know 100%. It was the internet, which is not 100% accurate. But... In the Far East, myrrh, it's this bitter perfume, and people might have worn it or used it in their house or used it in kind of commonplace. Or, well, I mean, he had to be wealthy to have it. But this myrrh in the Near East, where Jesus was from, it was something used to embalm bodies. And so you have these gifts that said, this is a God, this is a king of the Jews who is God, and part of their, his mission involves dying, right? This is the kind of significance, I believe, of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And the other thing that's interesting is um, God's provision. Um, Because uh, they end up going to Egypt. God tells them to go to Egypt for a reason that we'll see in a minute. God tells them to go to Egypt. And these gifts could have provided funding for poor people to make it all the way to Egypt. So interesting God's provision. So how are we doing now? Let's see how we did overall in the quiz. I think I, I couldn't find a nice little emoticon for question mark. So, so uh, not the stable either, but they were rich. They did bring gifts. And then wise is kind of half-half. So the wise men were not the only people that we see change in action when they're exposed to the truth of Jesus When I say exposed, this is like my my line of work. It sounds like a disease. It's not when they are when they are when they see the truth of Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, and I like to remind people we like to joke about the IRS and the IRS is bad. Tax collectors at the time were people who were paid by Rome, the oppressors of Israel, to collect taxes from their fellow countrymen for Rome. And the way they made their money was by cheating people and charging more taxes than they were entitled to. They were despised, right? They were the lowest of the low. They were traitors to their people. They were in league with the oppressors. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. So hated would he have been that no one would eat with him because we don't eat with sinners. We don't eat with people that betray their people. So let's look at how Zacchaeus, believing the truth of Jesus' forgiveness, it changed his actions. So this is Luke 19. It says, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus He was a chief tax collector and was rich and was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, this is the people, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Can you imagine the life of Zacchaeus if this is what happens? Never accepted, never loved. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus resolved to right the wrongs he had committed based on the truth that he knew of Jesus, that Jesus loved him and accepted him despite the very wrong things that he had done. Believing in truth changes your action. And you know, it doesn't always change your action for the good, because you believe in truth, I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to put these verses up. Um, but the remainder of the story of the wise men is that Herod was furious that they didn't come back. He was furious at having been tricked, and he was worried that this prophesied king might end his reign. And so he sent the might of his uh, authority of his soldiers into um, Bethlehem region and eliminated all the boys age two or under. Terrible, terrible, terrible thing he did, but he believed the truth, and it changed his actions. That's how you know when you have believed the truth, is that it changes your actions. Now, there's another kind of option that I think we have with the truth, and that is we can simply ignore it, right? We can ignore the truth. would have been so easy for me to say, (laughs) ER, who's going to do that, right? Sure, it was just lying in the wrong position. But there could have been something serious underlying, and I put a, could have paid a big consequence for ignoring that truth, right? I'd like to put a, an example of a guy called a rich young ruler. This is from Mark chapter 10. Rich, Let's look at the example of the rich young ruler. This is, and when he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one except God alone is good. Jesus said, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the young ruler said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now I do not think of this as a prohibition against wealth. I think what is being said here is that if there is something between that stands between you and your faith in God, that is something you have to get rid of. My theory about this guy is, you know, he's wealthy, he's young, like what's strikes us today as pretty arrogant to say, yep, I've kept every commandment since I was a kid. And it's like, I can't go five minutes, right? I mean, he says that he kept all the commandments. My theory, I don't know, this is Stephen, this is not the Bible. I, I think he was expecting Jesus to say, you're in, dude, you've done it. You've done everything you need. And Jesus taught him that it's not just the surface, but you have to give up things that come between you and God. He did not want to listen to the truth that sacrifice was required. He didn't want to. And I think we do this today. Sure, I'll think about this God stuff later. I'll think about it later. And I encourage you, if you're in that position, not to ignore it. Explore it to make a decision. The star of Bethlehem was so obvious that it was blinding truth to these astrologers, to these wise men. Do I understand it scientifically? Nope. But God wasn't talking to me, right? He was talking to these astrologers. It was so obvious that Jesus was Lord that they risked their safety and went to Jerusalem to worship him. That star, one of the reasons I believe we celebrate and remember that star, is that God made himself known. Christmas was the start of it. God had made himself known in an obvious way to the wise men and to others. To the shepherds, he appeared as angels. He came as, our, he brought his angels. God speaks to us even today. That's what we're celebrating. I believe some are here today where God has brought you here, and this is your star, Rock Hill doesn't look like a star, but we're telling you the message of Jesus in Rock Hills, that he has come, the message of hope that Zacchaeus learned, which is that despite what you have done, God, who is a God of justice and demands a penalty for things that are wrong, has provided a way for someone else, his son. He provided himself in a way to pay that penalty for us. This morning, Selena read John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world, loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. This is the hard part. This is what is so different about faith in Jesus, is that he says, you don't have to work your way to me because you cannot work your way to me. You can't do it on your own. You need the blood of his son to cover the penalty for your sins. Jesus didn't just die for us because we are awesome. This is kind of a message we hear. It doesn't die for us because we're so awesome. He needs us. He died for us because we aren't. He died because he loved us, even though we have sinned. Romans 5, verses six through eight says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what we celebrate as Christmas. This is why we remember the star. God spoke to them. God made himself known to them in a way they would understand, and he makes himself known to us today in a way we understand through churches, through messages, through your friends who believe this message. We're going to do something very special today. Are we ready? Yeah. Are we ready? Do I have my other... Aha! They've shown up behind me. Excellent. I'm not that easy to fool. (laughs) But I've got something very special to help us remember the star. Two of my favorite artists that I know, uh, Megan DeYoung and Ashley Villalobos, are going to present the importance of the star in a kind of neat way. Enjoy this.
1: Near Bethlehem The wind had seen The lamb lay sleeping on the hill. stood still. Because a star stood still that night. A star. On yonder hill, praise God, that star still shines. a star stood still that night. And we shall share A star stood still that night.
0: Thank you so much, Megan and Ashley. A star stood still. God made himself known. And even today in this Christmas season, he makes himself known to us beyond the wonderful time that we have with family, the sharing, the traditions. God wants to be known to you today. Perhaps this service is your star. If you've never thought about placing your faith in Jesus, I encourage you to talk to me after the service. Talk to Pastor Adam. We're happy to speak with you about how God has made himself known. And God has said, there's nothing you can do to earn your way to me. He has said, the only way to me is through his son, Jesus, who died and paid the penalty. He started with a star and ended with the most beautiful sacrifice and demonstration of God's love that was imaginable. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to be our savior, to pay the penalty for our sins. I pray if there's anyone here who has never placed their faith in you and is interested in wanting to do that, that they will not ignore that truth, but seek out help, seek out people who can help them, take that first step in their faith journey. Thank you for the joy that is Christmas that we share together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.